Welcome to the Weekly Insight Podcast, where we break down the noise of the week and help you understand the psychology of the markets with your host, Andrew Dore at Insight Wealth Group. Good morning. Welcome to the latest edition of the Weekly Insight Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Dore. I appreciate you making some time for us this week. Before we dive into what is a big discussion, I do just want to remind everybody that what you're about to hear should not be construed as individual investment advice. This is not telling you how to invest in your portfolio, but is instead giving you our impressions, my impressions of what's going on in the market and the economy right now, and what might be important. If you want to discuss how it might affect your portfolio, I'd encourage you to give us a call here at the office. With that, let's go ahead and get started. Last week was Fed Week. It's a big week, but last week was not a normal Fed Week. The circumstances surrounding it were unique. There was a lot of other stuff going on. There was additional commentary outside of the Fed in Washington that was important. The end result is still a little bit of a to-be-determined moment, which, you know, we've been saying that for a while now. We've been discussing interest rates for quite some time and when are rate hikes going to end, et cetera, et cetera. But I would say the TBD they left us with at the end of last week, really has a much shorter time horizon. So we're going to talk about that. I think what happens over the next week or two is going to have a dramatic impact on what the rest of this year is going to look like. So we're going to break this up into a couple things. The first and foremost, the interest rate discussion. Why? Because that's what everybody's been worried about for a long, long time. This market has been obsessing about it for over a year. It was a year ago this last week that the Fed's first interest rate hike happened. And since that time, we've now raised rates four and a quarter to 5%. As expected, last week, it was a 0.25% rate increase by the Fed. And they also indicated that while they may raise rates again, they may also look to pause as early as the next meeting. The market right now thinks the Fed's done. I included the probability analysis in our weekly insight memo. You're welcome to go look at it. But what it simply shows is the market thinks the Fed's going to leave rates where they are for the next two meetings, and then we'll begin reducing rates at the July meeting, and they will reduce rates in July, September, November, and December. So a total of four rate cuts between now and the end of the year. And we'll have rates down to three and a quarter to 4% instead of the four and a quarter to 5% that we're at currently. I think that's a very interesting stance, given Powell's comments on Wednesday. He was actually asked about the market's belief that the Fed would cut rates this year, and here was his response. He said, we published an SCP, which is the Summary of Economic Projections. We published an SCP today. It shows that basically participants expect relatively slow growth, a gradual balancing of supply and demand and labor market, with inflation moving down gradually. In that most likely case, If that happens, participants don't see rate cuts this year. They just don't. That's not our baseline expectation, end quote. I'm going to guess that most of you didn't watch the press conference. You're not nerds like we are, (laughs) and you don't spend your Wednesday afternoons paying attention to that stuff. But if you did, however, and you watched the way he answered this question, you would note that it was very forceful. Powell wanted the world to know not to expect rate cuts this year. The market didn't believe him. Why? It's not without precedent not to listen to the Fed on interest rates. The Fed has done a horrible job at predicting what the Fed is going to do. Just remember last year, December 2021, their SEP they put out predicted raising rates from 0 to 0.75%. Instead, they rose from 0 to 4.25%. They missed by a large margin. But it is what Powell said later in the press conference, I think, that really gave investors confidence that rates are going to be cut this year. He hit three points that I want to dive into that I think 
are especially important, and those are housing, jobs, and banks. On housing, man, y'all have heard us a lot on this podcast, in the memo. We've been pounding this for a long time. I think it was really September, and we've been talking about a lot ever since. The housing has this outsized, and we would argue incorrect, impact on our inflation numbers. Yet again, last month, according to how CPI is calculated, housing inflation grew at 0.7% a month. If that is true, why have home prices fallen at an unprecedented rate? Why are lease prices falling? My frustration with this, other than the fact that the government has a really stupid model for figuring all this out, is that Powell and company have either seemingly not noticed or not cared about this clear inaccuracy. They've been asked about it before, they kind of just shrugged their shoulders. But last week that changed. When asked about whether or not we are seeing disinflation, Powell actually dove directly towards the housing market and said this. He said, quote, housing services is really a matter of time passing. We continue to see new leases being signed at much lower levels of inflation. So that's 44% of the core PCE index where you've got a story that's ongoing. Finally, finally, the chairman of the Federal Reserve believes that housing inflation is falling that we're talking about real disinflation. And that leads me to a chart that's in the in the memo. You're welcome to go look at it. It's tough to read, but what it simply says is this. If we exclude housing from the inflation calculation, core CPI over the last three months comes in at 2%. Over the last six months, 2.18%. Over the last year, 3.73%. Inflation is falling. If you remove housing from the conversation. Inflation is almost where we want it to be. And if Powell actually said, let's come back to this, we continue to see new leases being signed at much lower levels of inflation. That is not what CPI tells us. CPI tells us those leases went up 0.7% last month. So this is Powell admitting that this is not accurate. And we're finally able to say, listen, we know inflation is really falling. It is really coming down. And that is a big reason the market thinks the Fed is done raising rates. And then we go on to jobs. One of the Fed's biggest worries over the last year has been the labor market. Too few workers, skyrocketing wages. Those were all major reasons for the inflation we saw over the last 18 months. That is why I think one sentence from the Fed's press conference, from Powell's press conference, was very important. And another further reason the market thinks the Fed is done. He said, quote, FOMC participants expect supply and demand conditions in the labor market to come into better balance over time, easing upward pressures on wages and prices. That is the first time that Powell has pivoted from wages being a problem to wages being a reason inflation may ease. And for good reason, the data shows wage growth has fallen dramatically over the last several months. And I've got a chart in the memo where you can go look at that. But again, housing and wages Two big issues that were driving inflation are becoming two big issues that will help the fall of inflation. So then we go to banks, and this is where things get messy. Because first, let's be clear, Powell was emphatic that the bank failures we're seeing are one-off situations, and the banking system is fundamentally sound. Let me be clear. I agree with that. Our firm agrees with that. But that does not mean there aren't issues ahead, which can cause us some concern. First, there is the impact on inflation and interest rate increases. There's a great quote from Powell that I think spells it out really well. He said, quote, We believe, however, that events in the banking system over the last two weeks are likely to result in tighter credit conditions for households and businesses, which would in turn affect economic outcomes. And as a result, we no longer state that we anticipate that ongoing rate increases will be appropriate to quell inflation. 
Here's what he's saying. This banking problem may be enough to slow down the economy so that we don't have to raise rates anymore. Or more simply, these problems over the last few weeks increase the odds of a recession. Why? Because the banks being impacted have a huge impact on the economic growth of this country. This is not a question about bank failures. The new lending program the Fed put out and the Treasury Department put out, that's really negated that concern. That new program would allow banks the ability to borrow capital to offset their unrealized losses in their investment portfolio. That's the whole thing that got Silicon Valley Bank in trouble. If this new program were in place two weeks ago, Silicon Valley Bank would still be here today. They would not have failed. The issue then is instead about consumer confidence in banks and banks' confidence that consumers won't suck their money out of their institutions. This is primarily a problem for the non-too-big-to-fail banks. There are five too-big-to-fail banks. Those are banks defined as larger than $250 billion. Those are the ones that get stress-tested. They're much more harshly regulated, but they're really big. They have a ton of assets. And when we find concern about the banking system, one of the things consumers do, because they're not dumb, consumers move their money from the smaller and mid-sized regional banks into the too-big-to-fail banks, the big boys, because they're convinced that there's safety in size. And I agree there is. The Fed's not going to let those banks fail. The problem is that while those banks are huge, it is the small banks, the mid-sized banks, the regional banks that have a much larger impact on economic growth in this country. They are the banks that make the majority of commercial real estate loans and residential real estate loans. They make nearly half of all commercial and consumer loans. And so that's exactly what Powell's talking about when he mentions tighter credit conditions. If these small and mid-sized regional banks aren't confident in their deposits, they're going to be much less likely to underwrite that loan for the purchase of a new building or new equipment, which is exactly the type of capital that allows people to expand and add jobs. Those are the things that grow an economy. If those banks stop lending, the economy comes screeching to a halt very, very quickly. So that brings me back to Wednesday in Washington, because you know, much has been discussed about raising the level of deposit insurance at banks. A move like that would stabilize deposits. It would reduce outflows from the non-too-big-to-fail banks. It would have a drastic impact on the economy. Powell danced around the issue a little bit, but he did state plainly that, quote, depositors should assume that their deposits are safe, end quote. That was a big message to the market last week. They took that as saying, hey, listen, the Fed gets this, the Treasury Department gets this, they're going to take some policy action to ensure this is true. The market popped when Powell said that. In fact, the market really liked Powell's comments on Wednesday, which is a rarity. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that when Powell speaks, the market tanks. But the market loved what he had to say. But then he stepped away from the podium. And his predecessor, now current Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, she took her turn in front of a different microphone at a congressional hearing just a few minutes later. And she completely dismantled what Powell had just said. According to her, there was no plan to protect depositors beyond the existing $250,000 limit. The market absolutely tanked to end the day. Ended the day down 1.65%. When Powell spoke, it was up almost one. That's a, almost a 300 basis point swing. Now, Yellen backtracked very quickly on Thursday, but the damage was largely done. And that leads me to this week. Because the big question this week is, will the Fed and the Treasury do something to shore up consumers' concerns about their deposits? Will deposits be insured at a higher level, or will consumers move their money away from the regional banks and into the big boys or into their mattress, whatever it might be? If we get some level of confidence on deposits, this market may be poised for a run. 
I would anticipate that if they do do something to shore up deposits this week, you can count on us to probably get more aggressive in portfolios over the course of the next few weeks. But if it becomes clear that these lenders are on their own and that deposits are going to continue to flow out, I think our recession odds just increase dramatically. And we're going to have to look to get more defensive in portfolios. So this week matters, and it may impact the direction of markets for the next several months. We're on the cusp of getting over the proverbial bump. We are right there. We are so close, and yet we are so far away. We're not there yet. So the next couple of weeks as it plays out is going to be really, really important to portfolios. So keep an eye out. We'll keep communicating with you. We'll wrap it up there this week. As always, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to give us a call. The number here at the office is 515-273-1333, or you can visit us on the web at www.insightwealthgroup.com. I hope you have a great week, and we look forward to touching base with you again soon. Take care. Securities offered through RTA Wealth Management, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, NFA. Investment advisory services offered through RTA Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment firm.